Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Everybody doing? Still hanging with us? I don't know if any of you have ever been through those automated car washes. It took me a while to get used to paying at a minimum of $7. You know, you, you feel me, right? How many of you have ever committed to the $15 car wash? All of us were suckers, right? But, but what, what do we notice? The, the, the difference between the cheap car wash and the $15 car wash. Can you notice the difference? Oh, okay, let me tell you where the difference is. It's on how they clean the tires. It's a clear coat application. They add, your tires will shine if you spend 15 bucks. If you spend $7, they still might have mud on the tires. They're not going to shine. They're not going to look as pretty. I believe that this morning God is just really wanting to take us through the $15 car wash. You know, there's a little more agitation. There's a little bit more required. There's a few more steps and a few more processes that you have to go through. But yet, what happens when we come out on the other side? We are guaranteed to be cleaner. Some of us would rather just go through the spot-free rinse. Okay, I'm talking about something spiritual here, okay? Some of you just want the spot-free rinse. But the spot-free rinse doesn't matter if you're still full of mud. you got to get cleaned up first before that spot-free rinse even matters. Because they say, man, what did you, get? you didn't even get your car washed. It doesn't look like it. you got to go through the process first. Amen? So I want you to know that that's what God wants to do in our lives in and through us. All right, now I'm going to get to my message. That was a freebie. I believe that's personally for some of you in the room, though. You don't realize what you're going through. You're like, Lord, quit scrubbing on me. But we know that His work is complete. Amen? Hey, so we are starting a new series this morning. Who knows what this series covers? Presence. So at the beginning of the year, we talked about focusing on a series that focuses on people focusing on a series that focuses on purpose. And then today is kind of that third leg of the series for the year. It's focusing on presence. Now, I am probably, I feel like, more excited about this phase of the series because I feel like this is the glue that holds it all together. So we talked about people, who we are as a child of God. Like, that's important, right? And then the purpose series focused on what in the world are we supposed to be doing? Because most of us have an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. And then we figure out who we are, God willing. And then we figure out some purpose, which identifies with what we should be doing. But you know what happens is in His presence? If you didn't get it in the first series, and you didn't get it in the second series, I know that in the presence of God, He reaffirms who you are and what you've been called to do. So this is like the final step in the process. If you didn't get it, you said, Pastor, no, I went through that, that people series, and I still see all my flaws. I see all my insecurities. I'm still having a hard time with that. And then you said, well, purpose. Well, I see your purpose. I see his purpose. I don't understand my purpose. I believe that during this present series, God will open the eyes of your understanding, and you will know what you've been created and called to do. Amen? But in this series of, this, of presence, this is going to be a series focusing on how to invite God's presence into your every moment. How many of you know that sometimes we, che- we treat the presence of God like a light switch? When we come in the room, we flip it on, 
And when we leave, we flip it off. We don't realize that the presence of God is intended to go with us everywhere we go. So that's what we're going to look at. It's not just something we find at church. It's not just something we find when we pray. But we got to realize that the presence of God is everywhere. And it's just not everywhere. Guess what? His presence is within us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, that His presence is actually within us. Um, so welcome to the present series. I'm so excited about it. Um, God is willing and available to each of us. But we got to give Him room to work in our lives. So as we work through this series, I want you to understand, I'm going to make a very strong, bold statement. His presence changes everything. Like, what do you mean everything? No, I mean everything. You know, you ever had somebody walk up on you while you're doing either something you aren't supposed to do or looking over your shoulder? It kind of makes you uncomfortable. Well, if you knew the presence of God was right there and he was looking over your shoulder, there's a lot of stuff you just quit, would quit doing immediately. You'd get delivered in that moment because you would realize his presence is right there. But if his presence is within us, his presence is everywhere we go. So let's think about something just for a moment. Think about time travel or teleportation just for a moment. Pastor Noah, where are you going? Stick with me just for a minute, okay? So time travel, if it were possible, to, to when would you travel? Think about I mean, like if I could go anywhere, time travel, man, I'd go right here. Or I'd go visit my great, 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 ah, whatever. I can go anywhere. Great, great, great grandpa, where it all started, right? You know, where, what time would I travel to? The past, the future, the present? When would you, who would you go back and who would you meet? Now, some of you have never ventured that. All your, your, your creative and adventurous mind stopped at the ripe age of seven, and you became an adult and quit dreaming, right? But like, think about it just for a minute. If we could go back to any time and meet anyone, who would we want to meet? Can you imagine experiencing every moment in time? You could go back. You could go see this. You could go see that. You could go. You know, even you could even go into the future. How many of you would like to know? I wonder how this is going to turn out in the next ten years. Right? You know, man, man, I don't know. That might be good. You say, we're messing it up, guys. We've got to adjust right now. I've seen the future. Right? Or you may say, man, Jesus is coming back. You've got to get ready. Right? Whatever it may be. But we could, go, we could go to any time. We could be at any moment. You know, seeing it all from the time of creation to the moment when humanity disobeyed God, when sin entered the world. Do you realize, but in all of those moments, God was there. Or what about living throughout history when the Ten Commandments were given to Moses, written by God? So let's fast forward just a little bit in the timeline. What about living through the invention of electricity or the light bulb in homes? Or what about being there when, when the Colosseum was built by Emperor Nero? Or on board the ship of Columbus when he was on the first voyage to discover new land? Or what about seeing Martin Luther post the 95 Thesis that began the Protestant movement? I mean, if we could go back, if we could see these things, you know, living in every moment of, of America's independence or the wars fought in the past for our freedoms, do you realize in each of those moments, God was there? He was there in every single moment. God always has been, and He will forever be. Revelations 1.8, uh, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, right, says God, who was and who, who is, who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He always was, he always is, and he will always be. God was there at the beginning, and he will be there at the end. Anytime throughout humans' existence, God was. Are you getting that? Can you wrap your mind around that? So let's think about teleportation just for a moment, okay? So time travel, teleportation. You know, that would be an awesome way to travel. I've been on long plane rides to get from here to Africa. Oh, okay, I'll be there. Just give me a minute. 
and I'm there. Can you imagine that? The only disadvantage to teleportation is I can only be at one place at one time, right? You know, going back in time, going forward in time, that's kind of cool. But teleportation, I can only be at one place at one time. You know, so, you know, what would I do? Where would I choose to be if I could only be in one moment? Like, let's say that, you know, at the same exact time, two events were happening. Well, I would make one and I would miss the other. So we have to realize that this is not so with God. God is omnipresent. So omnipresent means to be present everywhere at the same time. Now, some of you say, hey, that's impossible. But that's why God's God. He's everywhere. He's been in every moment of time. He sits in the, he, he's, he's been there through the past. He's, he's right there with you in the present, and he's going to be right there in the future. He can fast forward the tape. He can rewind the tape. He sees the whole tape of your life as it plays out. That's who he is. Proverbs 15, 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. I do, not, uh, do I not feel the heavens? And the earth declares the Lord. He is everywhere. We have to realize that. If we realize that he is everywhere, that changes our whole perspective. How many of you ever have told yourself the lie, well, God ain't going to see that. Close your eyes, God, just for a minute. But by our actions, we think maybe he's not watching or we just don't have a revelation that he really sees everything we do. And that his presence is actually within us. Okay, so God is everywhere in every moment. So we have to understand that there is a difference. So let's let's clarify this a little bit. There was a difference in the dwelling place of God between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, we know in the Old Testament, God's presence would come down to a tent of meeting, the, the location of the Holy of Holies. This was inside a tent that was actually prepared for him. He would come. The Israelites would actually carry the tent, carry all this, the 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 portable um, tabernacle. And they would set it up and the presence of God would come and it would dwell in that and then he would move and they would move it. You know, so it was such an interesting thing, you know, but they would create a place where the presence of God would come. Right. So this whole area was called the tabernacle. So it was kind of like the church building. If we wanted to reserve it to a building, it would be like, hey, this is the church. But right here, okay, this is the holy place. And this is the holy of holies right here where the Ark of the Covenant rests. And, you know, there there were some places that were forbidden unless you were a priest. The priests were the ones who were responsible for the house. They, they, they did the acts of service. They did all of these things to minister to the Lord, but yet he dwelled in a tent. Okay? So we have to realize that what happened, you know, the tabernacle was mobile, but then there was a temple of Solomon who was built. It was a physical, tangible, unmovable place. It was a permanent place. So what are you talking about, Pastor Noe? We have to realize that what changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that today, now, we are that tabernacle. We are that dwelling place. We are that resting place where the Spirit of the God dwells. So we don't have to build anything. We just have to give Him room in our hearts to have His way in our life. So when we accept Jesus in our heart, we are now carriers of the presence of God, and His Spirit is within us wherever we go. God always is, always was, and is living in me and you by the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful thought. He, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't satisfied being disconnected from His people but he wanted his spirit to actually indwell every believer. 
I mean, that's fearful and exciting at the same time. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, uh, Do you not know that you are a temp- the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So, so His presence is within us. Let's look at this passage. It's going to be kind of our core passage for this morning. Ephesians 1.13-14, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. So when we look at this passage, we're going to break it into three different areas. There's a moment in this passage when you believe. When you come to that place of salvation, when you come to that understanding of who He is, it says the gospel of your salvation, when you heard the message of Let's roll back to that verse 13 real quick. You heard the message of truth. Okay? When we hear the message of truth, there's an opportunity for salvation. If you don't know the truth, you may never come to the place of salvation or understanding who God is. But in that moment of truth, when you heard the message, the gospel of your salvation, it's when you believed. Okay? Then we're going to look at a place, a time that you were marked, and then we're going to look at the guarantee of His inheritance that He gives you. Okay? So let's look at that first thing, when you believed. So when you believed in him, you have to realize something changed. You know, the Bible talks about that he takes your actual heart of stone, and he doesn't just put a Band-Aid on it, he doesn't just, you know, but it says that he actually takes that heart of stone, he pulls it out of us, and he puts his heart of flesh within us. It, it, it's, it's a nature change, okay? Let me tell you, it has the same nature as Christ. Right? So you say, well, Noe, if... I have had a complete heart transplant. Why do I still struggle? Because we still live in the flesh. The flesh, the flesh will not change until we're glorified in heaven. But our heart completely changes when we come to the knowledge of who He is. So what happens in our life? When you believe, do you realize that your body, your life becomes His house? Your life becomes His house. That's what you got to know. You know, His house was purchased... Through salvation. So we're going to look at three things that he does to his house. First, he inhabits his house. Secondly, he changes his house. And third, he guards his house. Okay, so let's look at that first one. He inhabits his house. So how many of you would purchase a home and never live in it? How foolish is that? I'm talking about an expensive, nice one with everything you ever wanted in it. Dream with me just a little bit, man. That hot tub and that big bed and that bed that massages my back while I'm sleeping. I mean, whatever you can dream up. You just purchased it, but you don't live in it. That'd be kind of foolish, right? Well, it'd be foolish also for God to purchase you and not to live in you. You have to realize that you are His house. And because you are His house, guess what? He has the rights, He has the deed to your life, and He can move in. Okay? So He moves into your house. So when God purchased you through the blood of Jesus, He moves into your heart. So this is the dwelling, you know, because that's always, I remember as a child, that was always a confusing thing. Well, you got to ask Jesus into your heart. And I'm kind of like, like, how much, what are we doing? We're asking Him. This is that part of our lives, a part of our body that He lives in. The easiest way, He's just in our heart. Like, in it? Like, like it's just a, you know it's kind of a crazy cause it is just that place in our life where the spirit of god dwells it says we're the temple he has to be somewhere so we're just going to call it his heart okay we'll keep it simple that's that dwelling place 
So is he covered in blood? No. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, it's hard. Like, he's in my heart. Ask him into your heart. He'll give you a new heart. That's got to be the epicenter where everything happens. Well, this little part of your heart that God dwells, okay? If I need to do a better job, I'll get Becky to teach it to you in a childlike way. I don't know how to do that any better except that he's in your heart. Okay? So we realize that, that that is the place where he comes. You know, you know, so in the Old Testament, there was a building. In the New Testament, it was in the thrones of our heart. It was that place where he made himself welcome. So you've got to realize that you are no longer your own, but you've been bought with a price. You've been adopted into the family of God. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies only when you feel like it. All right. I'm not going to, you know the scripture, it doesn't say that, right? It says, honor God with your bodies, period. Now, that's a challenge because we live in the flesh, but we should be fighting, we should be expecting our home to model that which honors God with our bodies, okay? So, he inhabits our house. What does he do also? He changes, he changes our house, he changes his house. How many of you have ever moved furniture around in your home? Or you've been the husband who is the mover for your spouse. Hey, I don't like the couch right there. Can we try it over there? And you've got all kinds of stuff in the middle, and you just look at it, and you're like, I can't even get the couch over there. And, you know, so you move it three or four times, four or five times, and you know what? Most of the time it ends up back where it started. But you have to realize, when, when you become a child of God, God can come in and begin to put the furniture where he wants. Right? But it's what's inside of the house that really makes the house. But you know what will prevent you from putting stuff where it needs to be? It's all the useless junk that's in the house also. You want me to stop right there or you want me to keep moving? Oh, how many of you have so much useless junk? You, uh, and you always say, I've got to have a garage, but you never get rid of it. You know, Jesus by his Holy Spirit is the best house cleaner ever. You know what? I went over and helped my dad. I helped a little bit clean out the shed at my parents. I really have no connection with any of the junk, so I can get rid of it. It's not, I don't have a personal attachment. Same thing here. When I started pastoring, there was a lot of cabinets. There was a lot of doors. I'd open them and be like, ooh, that stuff's been here since Pastor Jim started. Dust, cobwebs, man, almost afraid to go in those closets because you don't know what you find. And I felt bad because I'm sure they were valuable and it was costly to somebody. But guess what? When I know that it's time for stuff to go, it's really easy for me just to purge that and throw it away. Now, Pastor Jim's around, so it's a little more personal right now. I'm like, oh, no. What do I do with that? Because it was his stuff or it was Bobby's stuff, but it's not my stuff. How many of you know when you realize it's not your stuff, it's easy to throw away? So what Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, understands is that the stuff in your life that needs to go, you need to just release him to clean your house. Throw it away. But, but, but I need to no. If the TV is a, is a thorn in your side and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a window to sin in your life, get rid of it. You realize if you get rid of the TV, you fix 90% of the issues? What about this device? But Pastor Noe, i got to live with this. You don't understand, I got it. Man, you got to put safeguards. You better put something on it to guard your eyes and your heart. Or get rid of it. Well, all right. You ain't worried about cleaning your house. You want to keep the comforts of your life. But when Jesus comes into your heart, into your life by the Holy Spirit, he's going to clean that house. He's going to begin to move things around. You're going to go look in the dumpster, and you're going to lift it up, and you're going to be crying. 
because all the stuff that was important that you thought was important wasn't. But he comes in, he gets rid of all the useless junk of our life. Let me tell you what, as he changes the house, you know what he will not do? He will not share the house with unauthorized tenants. Okay. And I could really preach just a little sermonette in just these three points, but I'm going to try to get somewhere this morning. You realize that all of our things and all of our heart prior to coming to know Jesus was really anti-Jesus, anti-Christ. It was things that gratified our flesh or was the things that the enemy put in our life to really destroy us. But he knows better. He knows what's safe. You, you realize I do not put internet or a TV that they can control in my children's room? Well, that's not fair. They should have freedom. Good luck with that. You are, ap- you are opening up an avenue to destroy your kid's life if you don't put a safeguard in their life. Okay, well, we're cool putting safeguards in our kids' lives. Why do we not put the sa- same safeguards in our own life? Well, we're talking about our kids, Pastor Noe. <laughs> Let me keep moving. We've got to realize that he will not share his house with unauthorized tenants. Anything that is demonic, anything that is sinful, anything that used to occupy that place has to go. And you say, Pastor Noe, how do I know what that is? I don't know, but let the Holy Spirit clean house because that's what he will do. So we realize he inhabits the house, he changes the house. But then what's most important, once it's been cleaned, you've got to guard the house. 1 Timothy 1.14, it says, guard the good deposit, the seed of salvation is what it was talking about here, that it was entrusted to you. So man, I don't know how to guard it, I'm like not really good at it. But it says, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Timothy 1.14. So how do we guard our natural home, right? We put up a perimeter fence. We really don't like our neighbors. We put a privacy fence, right? Keeps it safe. They can't see that way. They can't see this. So it keeps us a little bit safe. Get a dog, hopefully bigger than a chihuahua, because I could feel go kick a chihuahua, but get a Doberman Pinscher or something that looks a little intimidating. You know, houses with dogs in them, if they will bark and they're inside when somebody unauthorized knocks on the door, more than likely they will not go in the home. But I don't like dogs. I'm a cat person. Good luck with that cat defending you. I'm a dog guy, so that's fine. Okay, what else? You know, lock the doors. You know, I lived in Dallas for five or six, six, seven years of my life. I lock everything. You're like, we're in Bay City. I don't care. I lock everything. I'm keeping honest people honest. The doors open, they might come in and say, hey, man, this is nice. I didn't plan to steal nothing, but they left the door wide open. Lock the doors. Secure the home. Put up a fence. Get a dog. Do whatever you got to do. And, and just like you protect your, your physical home, you got to protect your spiritual home. Because it would be stupid to leave your door wide open, right? It would be stupid to put a sign up and say, hey, no dog here, please come in. What's something else we do at night? We leave the lights on. Some of you leave them all on. I don't know how you sleep, but you leave the lights on. You have, you have motion sensor lights. You have security. We, we safeguard the heck out of our houses, right? Almost overkill. And if that don't work, we got Glock sitting right by our bed. We secured it. We're ready. Right? Whatever, you know. The lady's like, Glock, it's a firearm, okay? (laughs) Bang, bang, boom, boom. (laughs) Okay, whatever. So we do all of this to secure our physical home, but yet we just say, ah, we're not worried about our spiritual homes. The Holy Spirit is very concerned about his spiritual home because that's where he lives. That's where he dwells. So we have to realize that first and foremost, when you believe it's his house, 
Number two, his deposit. Okay, we're moving along. So his deposit, we got to realize the deposit that God put in our, in our heart, it says that you, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Something that was, it was just not, hey, this is my house, but there was also a deposit in your life. That deposit was the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Okay, so his deposit, you know, it's, it's the presence of God by his Holy Spirit deposited in you. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. 2 Corinthians 5.5, 5, it says, Now the one who fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Okay? So we have to realize there is a guarantee the Spirit is deposited. You know, it, it's this deposit. How many of you know that a deposit gains interest if it's invested in the right thing? Do you realize that the Holy Spirit inside of us yields a super high return with very little risk? But yet we're going to put finances in risky places where we might, you know, it is a sure bet that the Holy Spirit is going to produce results in your life. With really less risk than our own ignorance trying to lead our own lives. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all things. He'll show us what to do. He'll tell us not what, what, what to do. He will help us guard that deposit of salvation in our hearts. Okay? So the word deposit, in, you know, is depositism in, in Latin. You know, it's a Greek word. So this word deposit is actually referring to the context of money or valuables deposited with a friend for safekeeping while the owner is abroad. So you have to realize the Holy Spirit is within you as a deposit until Jesus returns. That's what, you know, you're safeguarding this just for a moment. You have everything you need of need to be successful within you. His presence is within you. How many of you ever have done something you know you shouldn't be doing? Don't raise your hand. I had one. Ah, I got one. Jesus. Put it up, put it down. I won't tell them who it was, but I saw it. Right? You know, we're doing something we know we shouldn't be doing, and there's this little, like, you feel something in the heart-ish area, right? You're like, ooh. Or you think, man, if my mom saw me do this, or my wife knew I was doing this, or my husband, you know, you get that little check on the inside. You know, the Holy Spirit is like a compass to life that will lead us in righteousness. You know, when you're a sinner, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you will naturally sin. When you come into a relationship with Jesus and that heart transformation has happened and now you are his house, you have a new deposit, all your motives and your desires will desire to that, to do that which is Christ-like. And then anything contrary to, it's like the flesh right here warring against the spirit. But how many of you know sometimes we choose, like, man, this flesh feels good over here. Even when we know it's not good for us. I mean, two scoops on the ice cream is plenty. You don't need four. Just because you can have it and you can pay for it doesn't mean you should do it. I always pull that adult card. Dad, why do you get four? Because I'm a full-grown adult, and when you pay for your own ice cream, you can do whatever you want. But we've got to realize in life, just because we can doesn't mean we should. If the Spirit of God inside of us is causing us to have a check, a light turns on. How many of you know when you're driving the car down the road and it says service engine or there's a warning light? How many of you have ever, ever had a car overheat? When that temperature gauge gets hot, you better shut it down, put it in park, and turn off the engine. That's kind of what the Holy Spirit does. He starts giving you all these signs that, hey, listen, if you don't stop and you don't redirect and you don't quit moving right now, and then what will happen if you keep going? Something's going to blow up. 
a hose, a line, or you could blow up the engine. So when those lights start turning on, you've got to pay attention to it. God has noticed what he's doing. But we've got to realize that the Spirit of God is our deposit till Jesus comes back. Jesus left the Holy Spirit to be with us until his return. He lives within us. The Holy Spirit is his deposit within us. His presence within us is the Holy Spirit. So we realize that we're his house, that the Holy Spirit is his deposit. Well, what about his guarantee? So we know that the Holy Spirit works in us to change us, to heal us, to restore us, to cause us to become more and more Christ-like. Because just when we get saved and we come into a relationship with the Lord, our heart changes. But how many of you know you either have habits or incorrect ways of thinking? How many of you ever have touched a hot surface? You've touched a stove, you've burned yourself at least once. But whatever it is that burned you, your mind has now connected to know every time you touch that, what does your brain say? It's hot. So there are things in our mind that are created before our relationship with Jesus that think like that. It connects a habit of the flesh and says, that's good, that feels good, I should keep doing it. But then when you become a child of God and that nature changes, it is now contrary to what you previously believed. So the Spirit of God has to make sure that He changes the way we think, the way we act. There's a complete reset that has to happen. You have to realize when, you are, when your mind is conformed to the previous pattern, enforce it to be focused on the new pattern. You know, in life, there's, there's, there's moments where it's like our, our, our habits and our patterns are like a ditch. Okay? It's like you're driving, and what happens with those habits, you just get... Man, I'm in the ditch again. Okay, let me get back out. You just keep, you have to regroove your mind. You have to regroove your focus in a way where you stay on the road. Because you have been in a habit of being in the ditch for too long. And unless the Spirit of God works in us, but it says what? The Holy Spirit helps us. But He, he does more than help us. What does He do? He guarantees us. That is a powerful word. He guarantees our inheritance. He guarantees the change. He guarantees the breakthrough in our life. 2 Corinthians 1, 22 through 20, 21 through 22. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed, so this is talking about he empowered you with gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is amplified that he anointed us. He set a seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what to come. So we realize that this causes us to stand firm. This causes us to change the way we think. What do we have to do to change the way we think? I told my son the other day, I said, son, guard your heart. And, you know, I said, I said, what do you think I mean by that? He was smart. He didn't answer. That's <laughs> Put a breastplate on? What do I do? I don't know. I said, you guard your eyes. You guard your heart. Or you guard your eyes. You guard your ears. And you guard who you hang around with. If you change those three variables, all of a sudden the way you think and the, and the windows to your heart will change. How do I change? Pastor Noe, I just have so corrupt thoughts sometimes from my bad thought habits of the past. How do I reprogram that? <laughs> Glad you asked. 
how much of the word are you meditating on? Because this is the manual, this is the tool that God uses to reprogram the way you think or the habits that have destroyed your life in the past. You know, I think sometimes we just do bad things because we don't know they're wrong. We weren't taught them, we didn't know any better, and then we read it in Scripture and it's like this bloom, this light bulb moment where we realize we are wrong. And God's standard is this, but I've been doing this. So then you're stuck in that limbo moment of you're like, okay, flesh or spirit, spirit or flesh. How do I respond? What do I do? And then the, then the compass right here, when you start leaning towards flesh, like, no, 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 you know, stay, side with the spirit. But this is the guarantee we have that God will do this work, but we got to apply ourselves, guys. What happens? First, we think our house is still our house. Secondly, we don't want him to touch any of our stuff. No, that's, that's my room. That's my, that's my secret closet. Nobody goes in there. But we have to realize, unless we open every single door, unless we give the Holy Spirit access to every area in our life, we will not experience the presence of God in his fullness. Pastor Noe, I don't know if I like this series no more. Sure is requiring a lot of me. But you've got to realize the Holy Spirit is at work in you and with you. He is going to co-labor with you. He is going to allow you a guarantee that it will work. But how many of you know you've got to do your part and he does his part? Right? You've got to at least get up and walk a little bit. You know, have you ever had a kid that just decides, I don't want to walk and I'm not going to do what I'm told, and they just collapse? <laughs> ah, wham! They just fall and you're like dragging them by the foot. That's what Jesus is doing to some of y'all this morning. You're pitching a fit. You're like, oh, I don't want to. Oh, you're kicking your legs. You're freaking out. And it's like, good thing Jesus and the Holy Spirit are big enough to grab you by the ankle and just say, all right. Well, we're going to go if you like it or not. It'd be a lot easier and better because you're making a fool of yourself and a fool of me. Because that's really what it is personal as a parent. You're just like, quit. You're making me look like a, yeah, whatever. Answer the question. You know, but, you know, but, he, but he will grab you by that ankle as a guarantee, and will drag you to where you need to go because, he, because you're his now. And his discipline will work. And guess what? You'll only act like a fool so much. You ever fix that problem in your kid? Oh, when you get home, buddy, what happened? Had a come to Jesus moment. Now, if you want to fall down and plop down on the ground again, it's going to cost you every single time. So the discipline of the Lord is the same way. Let us learn quickly. But it says what? He disciplines... Those he loves. Why do we hate discipline? Because we don't always understand that it's out of, heart of a, it's out of a heart of love and it's actually for our own protection. It's one thing I never knew until I became an adult. The rules, the structure, this is why you're going to do this, this is why you're not going to do this, was to protect me, not to cause me harm. But how many of us have a big adult attitude? I do what I want to do when I want to do it. And nobody can tell me otherwise. Got to realize it's his house. It's his deposit. And it's his guarantee. So you got to cooperate. But it's, it's him. It's God that makes us stand firm, guaranteeing what is to come. So he marked us as his, anointing us. He, you know, so he anointed us. He set us apart as his. He set a seal on our life. There should be evidence in your life of a transformed life. Now, I'm not saying your mind doesn't ever wander or you don't fall into habits or you're like, oh, man, I should not be doing that. I'm talking about, but there should be things that change in your life. Right? 
If people are saying, man, you're a Christian? And they don't realize it? Come on. What are you reflecting or what are you doing? Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. And guard who you hang around with. Because sometimes we're still susceptible to those we're around. Until we can stand on our own. I'm not saying don't ever reach out to those relationships of those people with a bad influence. I pray that God would use you to influence their life and to forever change them that they might come to a relationship with the Lord. But when we're on this process of growth, we've got to remove ourselves from that influence. We know that the work of the Holy Spirit in us will be brought into completion, that He will finish the work that He started that's, that's who he is. That's what he does. I'm closing. So there's two groups, in, there's two groups of people in the room. We're going to draw a line, and I'm going to get you to go to one side or the other. I'm just playing. One person cringed. It's like, I'm in the middle already. Can I just stay put? Right? There's, two, there's two groups of people in the room. The first group, you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've asked the Holy Spirit to come into your life. You said, Lord, come, you know, you know, come and, you know, come and, come and make my, my heart your home. You know, I know that there's a deposit there, but that's it. You've kind of stunted what it is that the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. To make it personal for you, the Holy Spirit desires to, to be fully released in your life so that you can experience the fullness of His presence. If you don't release Him fully in your life, you know you will never... Re- live in the fullness of His presence? They're directly connected. Like this song we're talking about, I will make room for you to do whatever you want. Got to move that stuff out of the way. Well, Lord, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. There's not enough room for you to come in. (laughs) Just hold the door open for Him. Whatever He grabs and throws out the window, know it's best. Right? But you have to fully release the Spirit of God into your every moment, into your every single day, into your every life. So that's the first thing. You have a relationship with the Lord. You just haven't given Him freedom in your life. The second group of you maybe this morning, you've never even yet trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say, Pastor Noah, this peace stuff, this being a part of this, this clean house, i got a whole bunch of junk in my life I don't know what to do with. I didn't even know I needed to get rid of that stuff, but who's this man Jesus you're telling me about and this Holy Spirit that comes and he begins to live inside of you? This is God's plan that all might be saved. So you have a choice this morning. Are you going to put your trust and your faith in Jesus so that you also can begin to experience the fullness of his presence in your life? But I believe that today that the Holy Spirit is moving. He is drawing hearts He is causing you to just say, hey, here it is. The good, (laughs) the bad, and the ugly. Here I am, Lord. You guys stand up with me. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.